Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The River and the Wall follows five friends as they venture into the unknown wilds of the Texas borderlands and travel 1,200 miles along the Rio Grande River. On horses, mountain bikes, and canoes, they set out to document the wildlife and the landscapes and to explore the potential impacts of a wall on the natural environment. But as the wilderness gives way to the more populated and heavily trafficked parts of the lower Rio Grande Valley, they come face-to-face with the human side of the immigration debate and enter uncharted emotional waters. And with that, I want to introduce the director of this terrific new documentary called The River and the Wall, and that would be Ben Masters. Ben, welcome back to Film School. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm just, that's a reference to the fact you were on for your documentary film, Unbranded, which was a wonderful, uh, wonderful film in many ways, sort of foreshadows what this film is about. It's about taking us into places that we have read about, we think we know something about, uh, but then we get into this uh, incredible journey that you and your your four friends set out on, and we get to see so much more than, uh, it's so much more than a travelogue. It's so much more than uh, um, a an opportunity to see this beautiful part of the country, uh, the Rio Grande Valley, the Rio Grande River, and the border between Texas and the United States and Mexico. Uh, tell me, uh, ben, a little bit about how you came upon this idea. I guess the whole idea got started probably in 2016 during the Clinton-Trump election. I was on the Rio Grande, and uh, I, I'm a wildlife cinematographer first. We do a lot of short films on wildlife and wildlife habitat for different research institutions and NGOs and brands and stuff. We were catching mountain lions and the Davis Mountains, which are near the border. And we had a cat that we put a collar on and it went down almost to Mexico. It was captured and killed. What we found out through this research that we were doing, through the film that we were doing, is that people don't really know how mountain lions continue to exist in the state of Texas because they're completely unregulated in terms of harvest. They're experiencing about a 50% annual mortality. They have to be getting influx from a source population, which is probably in Mexico. So theoretically, if a wall was built, it could have an impact on these mountain lions. Now, obviously, more research needs to be done. We don't know this for a fact, but this is what was kind of indicated. And through that short film, I just kind of got intrigued. You know, what would happen if a sea, the Shining Sea border wall was constructed along the, along the U.S.-Mexico border? Kind of selfishly, I wanted to go and see it for myself. I've spent a lot of time on the border as a kid. I worked outside of Del Rio on a ranch, and then I, I lived in Laredo for four years and worked on a ranch. And then I've done a lot, ton of wildlife cinematography right there on the U.S.-Mexico border. So it was pretty personal, mm-hmm. the, the idea of a border wall going through these places that I love dearly. And I wanted to 
see it for myself, and I wanted to film it and show people what's there. I think what you just described is, in and it's in the film, It's it comes across in the film, is a way of talking about the border, talking about these different issues, the particularly as they pertain to the natural environment of that region, from a very non-political way. And, and I want to underscore this. I think it's important to point out that this the film is as politically neutral, politically apolitical as you could be when you're talking about something as kind of incendiary as the idea of the border wall and and Im- and immigration illegal or otherwise to come into it from the point of view is okay what are the on the ground what are the practical implications of putting up a border wall along this border it's such a I'll say non-threatening, that's probably not a great word to use, but it's about as benign a way to approach this as you could. And it and the film is in service to this idea of this is the these are the practical implications of what we're talking about. We should at least all come from a point of view, however we feel about it, we should come from a point of view where we agree on the on the ground fact as they're concerned with what we're discussing doing is that a fair i appreciate you saying that yeah yeah yeah. uh, you know that was very important to us in the film there's equal amount of time given to the republican representative who speaks on behalf of border security as there is to the democrat uh representative talking about immigration and that's what i hope the film does is creates a lot of civilized dialogue on how to approach some of these issues, especially at their source. Because I don't think anybody's saying that there's not a very serious problem that needs uh, to be addressed. I think everybody can agree our immigration system needs to be reformed. But yeah, I'm, that's what we intended to do. And it, it is a shame that it's difficult to have a conversation about some of these topics and that people get pretty uh, defensive about them. That's what the film does. It'll show you what different parties believe. <laughs> well, that as well as, as again, a way to, into, to way to bring us into a discussion, I think, on something that we can all agree upon, which is the natural beauty and, pres- and preserving this incredible sanctuary for life and, and the support of the wildlife there and all these different things that that I, I can't imagine anyone would want to see un, to undermine that this incredible natural resource. So l- let's go back. Let's start at the beginning of the film and sort of organizing the group of people that are in the film, your friends, the and and they all have a particular kind of specialty that you they bring to the the team of the, the your travelers your your. Uh, happy band of brothers and sisters here as you move across, along th- this uh, this border. Talk to us about how they came into this story. Sure. Uh, so there was five of us that did the trip, my, myself included. Heather Mackey is a good friend of mine. She actually studies birds along the Rio Grande. That's what she's been doing for the past few years. Her kind of role for the journey was to take wildlife count down the Rio Grande Kind of have us like some baseline data or some snapshot data in case there is construction of a physical fence just to have that for you know other people to compare and contrast for and then austin alvarado was one of the other members and he's a river guide along the rio grande 
And in addition to his knowledge of the trip, his parents came to the United States from Guatemala fleeing the civil war that they had in the 90s. They applied for asylum and, and, and successfully got asylum. You know, through his backstory, we are kind of able to see some of the push-pull factors uh, and also glimpse into how the asylum, asylum process works in the United States. Another member of the team was Jay Clayberg. Uh, he, he works for Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and he kind of, through his character, we get to see some of the historical context of some of the public land that has been established along the Rio Grande. You know, in Texas, our biggest state park, our biggest national park, our most biologically diverse public lands are all located on the Rio Grande itself. Whenever you talk about building a wall through all those places, you know, you're building it through the very best public land in a state which almost has no public land access or very little public land access. And then through Philippe de Andrade's eyes, one of the other characters, he's a wildlife filmmaker friend of mine, uh, has been for about five years, and he came to the United States yeah. with his mom from Brazil whenever he was six years old and lived undocumented for 14 years of his life. You know, he didn't have a choice. His mom brought him whenever he was six. It's not like he could have said no or could have said yes. Through his experience in the film, he opened up about that, some of the challenges that it took, some of the reasons why his mom came, the, the process of immigration, the, you know, the, the fear of being deported, and different facets of that story that are very personal. Yeah, the film kind of weaves in and out of these different characters' stories, hopefully personalizes and sort of puts a face to some of these big topics that, that people discuss at a national level, but there's a, often lack the individuality of all those stories. It is a terrific group. Uh, it is one like Unbranded. How many miles was Unbranded, uh, the ride? How, how long was that? Uh, Unbranded was about 3,000 miles, about five and a half months. This one was 1,200 miles in two and a half months, so a pretty short trip. Yeah, yeah, just a, kind of just a stroll around the neighborhood for you, but, but it's... Yeah, but, a walk around the park. <laughs> But one of the great things about it is, and, and, and the humanity that we see in the film is just wonderful with the group of people that you have accompanying you, but also as we as you get into the lower regions of the Rio Grande Valley, we begin to see more and more people, the population, the people were affected, both the positive and the negative of what what it means to live in that area and the beauty of it. But these stories from like Philippe, you know, his story is is at on one hand, uh, he's he's there for a particular function to be a cinematographer, help to, to help document what happens. But that story, uh, you know, his story, his own sort of backstory, uh, it provides this context, uh, you know, again in the film, it gives it this other layer. Uh, of our understanding and and our appreciation for what people go through to come to America, it, that that's the thing about the river, the wall, and the wall is that it's this textured film. It's not just a travelogue film, but they're along the way the people that we meet in that in that region, and also the fact that many of them had not been on a horse, but more than once or twice in their life, and just watching. Oh, yeah, you get a chuckle out of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, man. That was that was the one thing that we decided to do in this movie. 
It's just a heavy topic. Yeah. We're talking about border walls, immigration, deportation, international relations. You got to break that up with comedic <laughs> relief. And I, I, I think we did. Yeah, I think you did too. Well, Philippe certainly provides his share of it. He's, he is a, seems to be a real character, very, very funny guy, very just a, a lively, engaging kind of person. I can imagine uh, he, he was on this trip. Uh, but everybody. Everybody has their uh, their particular moments. I think Heather uh, Mackey, when she's walking through, uh, I don't remember exactly the the part of the, it's later on in the film when she's walking through and talking about how she's documenting the bird population and the environment around those birds. And she may be one of the only, if ever, to walk through that region and do what she's doing and how it may not be there for a whole lot longer is very uh, emotionally wrenching sort of thought to to go through. So, and there are other moments. Austin Alvarado, who's talking about his own past and his his relationship to the to the river and and his family's relationship and how much it means to him. It has all of these elements in the film, and I, I'm sure that I don't know that you planned every aspect of it in this way, but the film certainly plays out that way. Um, I would love to take credit for having the foresight to plan all that stuff out, but it, it came together out there in the field. It, it, it came together. A lot of the events that unfurled were not planned, but it is interesting. I, I think the biggest challenge of this movie was creating something on a topic that is so rapidly evolving. You know, you talk about Heather and her thoughts about how she might be the last person to ever do those bird counts or, you know, from a filmmaker's perspective, we may be the last people to ever capture these landscapes and photograph this area before a border wall is built. And in the film, it was theoretical, but in real life, since picture locks of the movie, that area, that entire scene that, we were talking about has been bulldozed and there is a wall being built right there. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going up. Oh. So it's, it's just oh. kind of crazy to, to think that, you know, these theories that we were proposing with what could possibly happen less than a year ago, like the story has already changed. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, well, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Ben Masters. He's the director of a new film coming out, a documentary film, I should say, called The River and the Wall. It's a river before it's a border is the subtitle to the film. And one of the, oh my, uh, that's so distressing to hear you say that. We, we, you, you speak with a number of landowners whose, whose property is going to be uh, bisected by the, the wall coming in. There's going to be some pushback in court over this. There's a lot of barriers. I sh- that's maybe the worst word to use, but there are going to be some impediments to seeing this, to the wall going up the way it's been proposed. Uh, have is is there an update on this, these landowners and their sort of their legal challenges to the wall going up? The imminent domain for the border wall is final. Under the Secure Fence Act, whenever that was passed in 2006. It waived all environmental laws, all local stakeholder laws. They don't have to do a NEPA. 
they don't have to do any of the environmental assessments or community assessments or any type of local opinion to build it. I mean, they can just say, we are here to seize your land. There is nothing you can do about it. You can fight it in the court for how much money you can get out of that land and over what that land price is appraised at. But as far as being able to fight the federal government, nobody has been successful in fighting them to keep the wall off of it. There has been, like like the farmers in the film, Becky Becky Jones and Frank Schuster, their papers have been served. There's a wall going up on their place. It's not theoretical anymore. It is it is being built. The wall is being built right now. Oh. There was, I think, 55 miles that were approved in the 2017 budget that's being constructed currently. And then assuming that Donald Trump's national emergency declaration of $8.6 billion is approved, that's going to create another like 355 or so miles that would be appropriated over the next year or so. But yeah, it's, it's definitely happening right now. Elections have consequences, Ben. The, 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 the other thing about the film, and it was a revelation to me, well, I just that's so distressing to hear you talk about it in those terms, but uh, this is the world we're in now. And But one of the things about the film is I didn't realize just how much it reminds you of the Grand Canyon, the 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 vistas, the the the, the this river. This is such a, an amazing resource. I'm sorry, I'm a little thrown off by by hearing what you're talking about. I, I sort of had this idea in my mind that well, we're still talking about a year or two or more down the road before we start seeing this thing actually in place. And I try to pay attention. I didn't realize it was so so imminent. Um, is there anything? Yeah, man, your your national wildlife refuge, your public land. Yeah. Two months ago, you know, it that it, it got it got bulldozed. It's yeah. it's going on. Yeah. Um. So. Is yeah. there is there in your in you know, people? I want to remind people they can go to theriverandthewall.com. That's the website for the film, theriverandthewall.com. You can find out more about the film and where it'll be screening at and you'll see you'll get some sense of the beauty of this region of the country is there anything that beyond sort of you know stomping our feet and 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 writing our congressman that is is available for sort of redress and hoping to sort of slow this thing down or is it a fait accompli or what what would you say i don't really know i i think the frustrating thing for me is that it, it seems as if the border wall has become this political symbol and not like an actual idea of how to address the root challenges. You know, the, like the demand for drugs, which is destabilizing all of these countries, um, you know, the gangs in Central America, right. you know, like there's, there's these really serious root issues that need to be addressed and and I, I feel like sometimes construction of a physical wall is this distraction that people believe is going to fix these problems but the problems are much more complex and much more hard to fix i think that that's kind of some of the frustration around this entire thing is rather than dealing with the root issue we're, we're trying to like put a band-aid of a border of a border wall on the broken leg of a system that needs to be reformed systematically. 
Yeah, it does. But I don't. I don't. I don't really know what what the average person can do other than other than to something. I always encourage people to do is come down and see it for yourself. You know, yeah. come come down and, and float the river. Go birding in the Lower Rio Grande Valley. See it before it's changed. Go float the Lower Canyon. Go into Juarez. Get a beer. You know, have have fun. You know, there are Mexican neighbors. It's a good time. There's a lot of wonderful people down there. The, the border that exists in real life is often different than the border that exists in the media. Well, it is a beautiful, fully realized, wonderful look at the, at the issues surrounding the wall with the people involved in it, the people who were infected by it on both sides of the border. Uh, it is a film that will undoubtedly provoke a conversation and in some instances some outrage over what you just told me when they find out and more and more but you you've done a, a remarkable job here with this film and it's something that uh, I encourage everyone to check it out the river and the wall go to the river and the wall.com to find out again where it's screening and hopefully there's some enjoy enjoy the film and and ho- hopefully there are ways in which we can sort of mitigate the impact that's, yeah. Hopefully there's some silver linings, Mike. Okay. Hopefully help me make help me out here. That that with all the attention on the border, people will start looking at some of these root issues, figure out how to help out our neighbors. You know, come come to some compromises on our immigration system and engage with Mexico on you know the creation of some binational conservation areas. You know, hopefully there's some silver linings. That, uh, that 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 come about with all the attention down on the border. Well, Fingers crossed. We'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, and for people here that are listening to the sound of my voice uh, in the Newport Beach area, the film is screening at the Newport Beach Film Festival. Uh, that's on April 29th, so that's coming right up. And then, and then it will be running theatrically. It'll be back around the uh, 2nd of May here in Irvine at the Woodbridge Five. It'll be screening all over Southern California on May 2nd, and even in Northern California. It's a big, wide release on May 2nd across the country and and beyond. So uh, there are ways to check, catch up with this Newport Beach Film Festival on the 29th, soon to be followed on May 2nd with a well, very wide release of the documentary film, The River and the Wall. Ben Masters, it's always a pleasure. Please, uh, I love your work. I love Unbranded. I love what you're doing and of the way you're the way you're doing it. And it's uh, uh, come back anytime, anytime you feel. All right, you got it, Mike. I appreciate you having me on. Let's do it again. All right, I'll go make another movie. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.